official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Yippee-okay, motherfuckers, and welcome to the Adam Sank Show. I sound fantastic. I don't know what JB did since last week, but we sound 100% better. We are not live, but this is a brand new episode, y'all. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, October 9th, in the year of the apocalypse 2021 at dnrstudios.com, the only place to hear this podcast throughout the week that it first airs. If you listen elsewhere, leave us your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Why do I have such a hard time saying that? Saying podcasts? Apple Podcasts oh. is a hard tongue twister for me. Uh, email me, your dick, at adam at adamsank.com. Like the Facebook page, download the comedy albums, get your ass merch at adamsank.com. And remember, you can call us anytime, anytime. Even when we're not on the air, 804-TALK-ASS. That's 804-825-5277. And please, get vaccinated if you haven't already done so. It's the only way to stop COVID. We have such an exciting show today, you guys. I'm, I'm really, like, m- my ass cheeks are quivering. Because, first of all, we have legendary porn star Dolph Dietrich in studio. I haven't been this excited since we had Rocco Steele on the show, and he wasn't even in studio. And... We have Ryan Frostig, and we have JB, and for the first time ever, my boyfriend, Patrick, otherwise known as P. Spencer Music on Instagram, is <laughs> oh, in studio, ladies and gentlemen. Please all. welcome Patrick. Oh, hey, Patrick. Gosh. Thank you for having me. I would hit the applause, but is... uh, I don't think that... Oh, oh good. This is so exciting. I haven't officially been introduced, but I'm just going to introduce myself. Please. I am the Frost Pig. We are back. Patrick is here. I'm here. JB is here. We're all here. This is very exciting. This is going to be the most people that we've had in studio at one time since COVID. Yeah. Uh, Patrick is a, a huge fan of the podcast. I am. It's it's bizarre to be here because I feel like you're all characters in my ears. In your ears, like in your head, and yeah, here we exactly are. exactly right. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. <laughs> so sweet. Oh the listeners have, have, you know, they've been with us for our entire history since the day that we met yeah. Uh, the night that we met at the Eagle, all those months ago, June twenty fifth. <laughs> yeah, I have he, a lot to live up to. Here we are in October, <laughs> and yes, you do have um, very large uh, jock straps to fill, <laughs> which you do. <laughs> Thank yes. you quite well. Uh, so welcome, and um, we're going to start with a rather strange question this week, which goes to you too, Patrick. Has anyone in this room ever been part of a marching band? Yes. Okay, Patrick, you first. <laughs> Yeah, I was in marching band in high school. What I did played you the play? clarinet. I don't think I knew this. That's hot. Is really? it? You didn't know I played that? See, we're learning new things yes. about each other on the air. You this put your face against the microphone so we can it's a hug. Okay. Great. Uh, how many years? Uh, from third grade to ninth grade, and then I quit. Oh, my. Did you yeah. enjoy it during that time? Oh, my God, yes. I mean, I was in love with my 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 band leader mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he was so cute and he was young and he was with me from like third grade all the way through high school what made wow. you quit 
he conflicts. Won. I was in chorus and all the shows, and you know, they I couldn't be in band too. Such an artsy fartsy kid. I know I was. Uh, Ryan, um, I was not. I had to make the choice between band and chorus as right. well. Exactly. But I was um, marching band adjacent because my best girlfriend Chelsea, um, who was this like fun lesbian girl, she played the flute, and those kids were so fun. Those band kids. It always looked like a lot of fun. I never they did were, it. JB, were you ever in marching band? Did you play an instrument? Um, I was in a marching band, but I was in orchestra, and I did play the clarinet. Oh, my God. Oh my God, we both play the clarinet. I mean, yes, I was sucking dicks since I was a little kid. <laughs> and the clarinet helped you with that. Got your, See? your lips warmed up for that read. <laughs> well, we have two clarinetists in the room. I played uh, trumpet and baritone horn when I was young, mm-hmm. but I never made it to marching band. I quit all that shit, like, pretty much in ninth grade, and, mm-hmm. st- and then I focused entirely on my m- singing career. Yes, honey. On my career as a vocalist. Yes. But marching band always looked so fun to me. I had a lot of friends, uh, especially my friend Rebecca was very into it. She was one of the only female um, trumpet trumpetists that I ever knew. And she was into it. My friend Dick Fisher was the, the major. Dick Fisher? Yeah, I know, Dick Fisher. Oh, and he was straight, too. He was the, the drum major, the guy that marches out front with the cane yes. and all that stuff. Um, Taisha Cromwell, this beautiful girl uh, at my school, she was the featured twirler. Oh, I, love I just that. loved watching them. And then when I got to the University of Michigan, oh my God! Not only was the marching band incredible, but the male cheerleaders mm. were the most beautiful men I ever saw. I only went to the football games to watch the male cheerleaders. They were gymnasts yeah they were better athletes than the guys who had played football in my high school but anyway all of this is to say that the university of michigan marching band recently performed an lgbtq medley in support of the michigan uh, spectrum center which is their lgbtq student center it was the 50th anniversary of the spectrum center and so the march well here's how it went take a listen Michigan Marching Band and Alumni Band celebrate the 50th anniversary of the University's Spectrum Center, a collaborative space of advocacy, allyhood, education, and support for the LGBTQ plus campus community, beginning with the medley of I'm Coming Out and Born This Way. Brian is now dancing. <laughs> Also dancing. Ladies dancing. So fun. So great. Uh, in all, the tracks they performed included I'm Coming Out, Born This Way, I'm Every Woman by Whitney Houston, Vogue by Madonna, Heart to Break by Kim Petras. I don't know that song. Oh, it's so good. Thank You for Being a Friend, the Golden Girls theme. Great. <laughs> I love that that was part of the LGBTQ <laughs> tribute. It has to be. We Are Family by Sister Sledge and True Colors by Cindy Lauper. The University of Michigan's LGBTQ Center, it wasn't called the Spectrum Center when I was there. That's been since changed, but I learned in uh, reading this article that they were the first 
student, first queer student organization in the world. Whoa. It was 1971, the year I was born, and one of their founders, Jim Toy, was still there in charge of the center when I went to college there from 89 to 93. Wow. I have to say, I didn't really do much with the student, with the gay student center. I didn't find it necessary. You were running your own gay student center. I kind of was. <laughs> I mean, I would just go out dancing at the little campus gay bar every Friday night, and that's where my community was. Those, those people I found to be kind of dull and yes, sad. Sure. But I'm thrilled that they were there, yes. and I, especially in 1971, it's amazing. And when I think about the fact that, you know, Ann Arbor was a very welcoming community. It's where I came out, and I felt safe coming out there, and, mm -hmm. and I had lots of gay friends. But the thought of the marching band at the football game doing, like, a queer anthem, a queer yeah. medley, and having the announcer say it's in support of gays, like, it just would have been unthinkable then. Right. And it's amazing to me how much things have changed. And I just, this story made me very happy. And there's something about, like, marching band just the orchestrations and just it 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 brings up so much joy for me like i wasn't a part of that but i just like when i hear it it's so rich in tones and in sounds and yeah it's, it's great a, it's a very distinctive sound oh my yeah. gosh it's so satisfying to hear that because it's so celebratory and climactic yes we need more of that yeah I should give a shout out to John Pasquale. He uh, is the, dir the director of the university's marching band. He said it took them seven to eight months to put that medley together. Mm -hmm. A lot of work. It go if you watch, the whole video is available on Queer Tea. It's 14 minutes long. So it's, it's a long um, number. Meanwhile, in less joyous news, the ACLU is suing an Indiana high school for discriminating against the school's Gay Straight Alliance Club. Um, they basically, this school allegedly blocked the group from privileges that other clubs enjoy, like publicizing their meetings or raising funds on school property. It's called Pendleton Heights High School. It's in central Indiana. Um, the GSA is arguing that, let's see. Okay, so the high school banned teachers from displaying pride flags earlier this year. Principal Connie Rickett, and you can just picture what she looks Terrible like, name. said that she wanted to make sure the school was a welcoming environment for all, and that pride flags would make anti-LGBTQ students feel unwelcome. Oh, that, that sentence made my skin crawl. It's so repulsive. Uh, she, uh, and the school board trustee, President Bill Hutton, uh, backed it up. He he said being LGBTQ is a choice and compared it to being white supremacists. He said if an LGBTQ flag is allowed to be displayed, then any other group would have the same ability. No. Mm -hmm. No. Not so much. No. Um, one bisexual student at the school, Ty Wells, said that the bullying of LGBTQ students is a severe problem at the school and that she knows of several who have attempted or died by suicide. So um, the ACLU is, is suing them under the Equal Access Act of 1984 that requires schools that receive federal funding to provide equal access to all extracurricular activities. What's interesting is that law was originally passed by uh, Christian groups mm. that wanted the right to have a school group where they could like celebrate Jesus and celebrate their Christianity. And 
protect Bible study in schools, and now that same law is being used to defend this this uh, gay straight alliance group. So I think they have a great case, and I hope they win. Yeah. And fuck you, Connie Rickett, and, and Indiana and Bill Hutton. No, no shade to any of our Indiana listeners um, if you're out there, but Indiana is not a queer-friendly place. It depends on where you go. I think yes. Bloomington is. More so than maybe like 20 years ago, but like historically speaking, I, I mean, an ex of mine grew up in Indiana and the stories that he would tell me about like getting beat up and getting hurt. I mean, I never, being from like Connecticut, I never had to deal with that. But like for so many queer youth out there, especially in some like middle of America places, like it's horrible. And so, yeah. Yeah, Indiana is a weird state because it's smack dab in the middle of the country. Yes. So it's like, a little bit southern, it's a little bit midwestern, it's a little bit cosmopolitan, it's a little bit backward ass. It's, right. it's kind of got everything. They even have two time zones. <laughs> it's a, it's a strange much. state. I only, ever, I only ever drove through it to get to Chicago from Michigan. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, Gary was a shithole. I can tell you that. Gary, Indiana. Yeah. Okay. But yes, hopefully this <laughs> will um, not only improve things at this school, but at schools everywhere. Yes. You can't fucking ban a gay straight alliance. I, I just get so annoyed at the the false equivalence to like white supremacy right. and the it's pride absurd. flag. Right. One is clearly harmful and one is not. Right. Yeah. One is inclusive, the other is right. exclusive. Right. And this idea that, that um, queerness is an ideology. That like we, we you know it's right. the religion of gay it's a choice. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. people just are, and that's really what this is about. Mm-hmm. Because if they accept the uh, premise that this is something we're born with, then they have to give us mm-hmm. equal rights. And the fact mm-hmm. that we're still having this fucking argument, I know, this many years after Stonewall and this many years after same-sex marriage has been the law of the land. Right. Which, by the way, I, this isn't on the rundown, but um, the terrible Kevin McCarthy, the uh, Republican. Uh, House leader mm-hmm. was asked specifically how he feels about same-sex marriage last week, and he said, "I support the law of the land," mm. which means he supports the rights to same-sex marriage. That may not seem like a lot, but given what a piece of shit yeah, he, is he is and how hideous his base is, yes, that means a lot. That is major. Meanwhile, the governor of Colorado, Jared Polis, got married. Hmm. Why do you think that made headlines around the world? Because he got married to someone of the same sex? That's right. He is the nation's first openly gay man uh, or woman, uh, first openly gay governor, I should say, to uh, marry a same-sex partner ever in the history of the United States. Wow. He married his partner of 18 years, Marlon Reese, in a traditional Jewish ceremony. Hava Nagila, Hava Nagila, Hava Nagila, you are a fag. Hey. Okay. Um, the marriage between Polis, a Democrat, and first gentleman Reese, a writer and animal advocate, marks the uh, first same-sex wedding of a sitting governor. I forget sometimes that we have an openly gay governor. Yeah, it's really it's a big cool. deal. It's Not really me, cool. but yeah. the country. Uh, the couple got engaged last year. They are the parents to uh, two children, ages seven and nine. Um, Again, a 2015 landmark ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage nationwide. Earlier this year, Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana, Mm -hmm. speaking of Indiana, uh, became the first openly gay uh, cabinet secretary. And he also got married. He is married to his husband. They're expecting a child. And expecting a child. That was the recent headline. Yeah. Yeah. 
So go gaze. Go, go gaze. Yeah, I mean, it's like um, there's always these like terrible stories that you know of like all of this backward shit you hear, but then there's just these little sprinkles of good news when it comes to like you know having a, a gay governor that we didn't have before, and he's married, and it's it's just it like it's so exciting. It's so exciting. It just makes me feel good. It's like the needle is being pushed just yes. a little in the right direction. Exactly. A well, little bit. A it's little always bit. two steps forward, two steps back. But I think, um, you know, here's Martin Luther King who said the, the arc of history bends toward justice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I apologize if he didn't say that. but <laughs> Someone, someone said, said, that. said that. And to them, we say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Applause. Um, okay, we haven't done a list in a long time, and this is one of my favorite kinds of lists. These are 65 facts so weird you won't believe they're true. Here we go. Now, we're not doing all 65. You'll be happy to know. Thank God. And in fact, I picked the best of the, of the top 30, and then I stopped. And so this will be, we will continue this on a future episode. Okay. But these were the ones that jumped out at me, and uh, the first one made me think of Ryan. All right. Because not only are you a pig, <laughs> but you're often very sweaty. Yes. And you, we've all heard the expression, I was sweating like a pig. Well, guess what? Pigs don't sweat. I knew it. Oh. I knew it. I knew that's where this was going. That is so surprising. Pigs are born without sweat glands, just like dogs. So when they need to cool off, they only have one way to do it. You know what that is? Mud. Yes. Wow. Did you know that, Patrick? I, I forgot that. I think I knew that at one point. They roll around in a cool <laughs> puddle of mud. Wow. Sounds great. Ryan does that too. I basically do. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, I, I, in some ways, I feel like I've been lied to. Uh oh. <laughs> Can someone? Yes. No, don't with my dog, please. <laughs> will, you, will you grab the lady? Because I'm a little trapped here. I'm sorry. What you were saying, Ryan? Oh, well, I feel like I've been lied to. I feel like my representation as a pig is now, like, you know tarnished in some way like i am a sweaty pig and now we're learning that pigs don't sweat it's just like it's a little just really a mind fuck it is um okay fact number two on our list is that umbrellas were once used only by women oh wow uh back in the day fashionable women carried parasols during nicer days to keep the sun from their skin but around the mid 18th century uh, men and i assume women began to realize hey it might be a good idea to carry one of these parasols when it's fucking raining outside so we don't get wet and there was one man in particular a philanthropist named Jonas Hanway during the 18th century who was seen carrying an umbrella during public events and suddenly it didn't seem that faggoty Mm. and men started um, carrying umbrellas and then everyone started using them for uh, rain okay but you know what I'm ready to bring back the parasol oh me too not the umbrella I need a parasol. I love a parasol. I love a parasol. Yeah, especially the older I get, the less sun I want at the beach. I yeah. love like a little pretty pink parasol that I could just You know that episode over me. You'll you'll know this of Sex in the City when Carrie's in all white and she's got the white parasol. You know what I'm talking about? That's yeah. my that's my go to like parasol image, just me in all white <laughs> with a parasol. Totes mask. Yeah. Okay, the next fact on our list is that for twenty years a cat served as mayor of an Alaskan town. What? Uh, Give us a cat sound effect, Ryan. An orange cat named Stubbs became honorary mayor of the town of Talkeetna in 1997. Talkeetna has a population of 772. Uh, Stubbs proved very adept at the role, 
garnering fans from around the world and serving in the position for years, greeting tourists and becoming a beloved symbol of the town until his death in 2017. They had no human mayor. They just had Stubbs the cat. Wow. That is a lot of um, pressure for a little kitty. I mean, I think Lady could handle such a position. Oh, she definitely I think could. Lady should run uh, uh, for, for office. For mayor of New York. Yeah. I think she <laughs> I I mean, think she'd be Honestly, great. given the candidates that we have yeah. in the general election, I'd, I would prefer it that Lady. It can only help. Yeah. Lady for mayor. Um, here's a fact that sh- stood out at me. Uh, squirrels are behind most power outages in the U.S. <laughs> What happened? Did you she lift her up? up? Yeah, yeah, she's a little bit overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, the sco- there's uh, the APPA, that's the American Public Power Association. Uh, they've developed a data tracker called the Squirrel Index that analyzes the patterns and timing of squirrels' impact on electrical power system. The peak times of year for squirrel attacks are May to June and October to November. Typically, what happens is they tunnel or chew through the electrical insulation. And um, therefore, they are the number one threat to the U.S. electricity grid. D- did you have any idea? I would have thought storms followed by terrorism. I'm not surprised. Oh, is your mic not? Yeah, something happened. Oh, I think JB wanted to minimize the sound. Oh, of got it, got it, got it. Um, I, 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 it tracks. It tracks. It makes sense to me. Who Why? in the world? Squirrels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because they're on the wires. Because they're on the... Yeah, but I didn't know they fucking ate the insulation. Of course. They're troublemakers. They get into everything. Patrick and I were in um, my hometown yesterday in New Mm -hmm. Jersey to visit my parents, and their property has been overrun by acorns. I mean every square inch of ground is covered with acorns, and there are no squirrels. No squirrels anywhere. They're gone. We went for a walk in the forest. That is very bizarre. We didn't see one squirrel in the forest. No, they're gone. We went for a, quote, walk uh-huh. not far. no uh-huh. we, we yeah. actually <laughs> we yeah, did just, sure. mm-hmm. it was a very short hike we were waiting for my dad to finish up at a medical appointment um a woman who lost her wedding ring found it 16 years later on a carrot in her garden wow what this was in sweden she lost her wedding ring while cooking uh christmas dinner in 1995 she looked everywhere for the ring she even had her kitchen floor pulled up hoping she could find it but she didn't see the ring again until 2012. While gardening, 16 years after the initial uh, loss, she found the ring around a carrot that was sprouting in the middle of her garden. The only explanation is that the ring must have been lost in vegetable peelings when she was making dinner that night and turned into compost. You know, they do that a lot in other countries. Mm -hmm. They compost all of their organic waste, which we should be doing, and it just grew out of the ground. It's wow. a miracle. It's that a miracle. is a miracle. That's a miracle. Right? It's a miracle. The inventor of Pringles... No, let me get this right. The inventor of the Pringles can oh. mm-hmm. is now buried in one. <laughs> that is dark. In 1996, <laughs> Frederick Bauer developed the, the idea uh, for Pringles to uniformly stack ch- chips inside of a can instead of a bag. I love Pringles for this reason. Oh, yeah. And they're also delicious. Um, he told his family his wishes... His burial wishes were to have his ashes uh, filled <laughs> into a Pringles can. Um, his children say they, there was a lot of discussion among them as to which flavor to use. Oh, my God. But one of his, his eldest son, Larry, told Time Magazine, I said, look, we need to use the original, an American classic. And they did. I would have picked salt I, and vinegar. I would have <laughs> picked barbecue. 
Barbecue Pringles are the shit, man. Do I you respect the choice for the original flavor? Yeah, that, keep yeah, it classic. Keep it classic. But um, I miss, like, as a kid, eating Pringles and doing the little duck. You know, when you take the... Yeah. That was always you fun. can still do that, Ryan. No, I'm going to stop you. No. Um, and the last strange but true fact that we're going to do today... Oh, sorry, there's two more. Uh, this is so crazy, Patrick, because you and I were just talking about this. Uh-huh. Children of identical twins are not cousins, genetically speaking. They are siblings. <laughs> Silence. Identical. Trying to process why this. Would they be, why would they be cousins? So normal cousins share 25% DNA, mm-hmm. right? Um, wait a minute. Let me get this right. Oh, okay. Cousin, let me get this right. Cousins whose parents are identical twins share 25% of their DNA instead of the usual 12.5%. Normal cousins only share 12.5%. Mm-hmm. But full siblings uh, share 50% of their DNA with each other. Half siblings share 25%. Identical twins are 100% genetically the same, mm-hmm. unlike, unlike normal siblings. So if... If you and I are cousins, Ryan, and our, our parents, are, our fathers are identical twins, then we are basically brothers, genetically wow. speaking. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? We were I just know. talking about it. Yeah, we were. Um, That's so strange. Which means if any of those people commit murders, they are four suspects. Because oh. the DNA would be too, it'd be too pure. <laughs> wow. They were like, what, are your parents inbreeds? JP what? always goes to the darkest place possible. <laughs> well, no. But you know you're right though. If an if an identical twin murders someone, then his brother is totally on the line for the yeah. crime. Wow. And they so don't have the, the same fingerprints though. No, no, just DNA and the DNA would be the same inside their DNA. Yeah. And the last strange but true fact is that the Queen, not me, the actual Queen of England owns all of the swans in that country. Owns them. Owns them. According so to British law. Greedy. And <laughs> leave some swans for the other people. <laughs> According to British law, any unclaimed swan swimming in the open waters of England and Wales belonged to the queen. The law originated during medieval times when swans were a delicacy for the wealthy. I didn't know you could eat swans. Ooh. Queen Elizabeth also upholds a centuries-old tradition uh, with the swans, which is that every year during the third week of July, all the swans in the River Thames are counted for the queen in a practice called swan-upping. What a massive waste of time and money. I was just thinking the same thing. Why mm. must we know how many swans there are in the Thames? Uh, okay, that's the end of that story. We are now moving on to this. I and learned so much. I, didn't you Truly. Learn I love these stories. I love education. This podcast, you know, we may not have won Best LGBTQ Podcast. <laughs> we may not always have our shit together. We may not have microphones that work, but we but are the most educational We're teaching the children what they need to know. Okay. Uh, by the time this episode airs, this will have already happened, but there was massive backlash after Caitlyn Jenner was announced to be a guest host on The View. Patrick, you watch uh, I do. The I watch regularly. it every day. You do? Well, when I'm there. You're a viewer? I am a viewer. Mm. <clears throat> this and after, I think I saw that episode where she was yes, on. Yes. Mm-hmm. This after mm-hmm. Jenner finished 13th place in California's gubernatorial recall election. She got about 1% of the vote. Uh, you know... Let's be clear about this. Caitlyn Jenner, when Caitlyn Jenner came out as trans, Mm -hmm. it rightly made international headlines, right? Mm -hmm. This was a big deal. Yeah. She had been a a, a world champion Olympic athlete, uh, decathlete, decathlete, 
also famous from the Kardashians and mm -hmm. reality show. Mm -hmm. It was major news, and, and it's great that she came out and, and on was a cover. so public about it on the cover of Vanity Fair and had the reality show. But, but aside from all that, Caitlyn Jenner has shown herself time and time again to be a garbage person. Correct. She's a terrible person who does not support trans people, who does not support the LGBTQ community, does not support abortion rights. Right. We need to stop celebrating her and giving her attention. Right. And while it would be fantastic for there to be a trans woman on the panel, it really, Not that trans women. It really doesn't need to be Caitlyn. Yeah, there are so many. It really doesn't. That are wonderful and famous and eloquent and have great things to say. And also, she's just not bright. When no, she's challenged no. on her position, she can never explain why she feels this that way. This is going to sound really bad. Uh, I need everyone <laughs> to yourself. listen to what I'm going to say. Because it's not... The Adam Sank Show assumes no responsibility. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, we need that just... Yeah. When Caitlyn was Bruce, I heard nothing about Bruce. Like nothing. Like Bruce never did crazy shit like this. But now Caitlyn is now Bruce is Caitlyn and Caitlyn's doing all this crazy shit and killing people, murdering people. Oh, there is that she situation. was yeah, vehicular homicide. Yeah, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I I don't understand. Maybe maybe I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't know what's happening. Well, let's first of all, on. let's not dead name her. And, and that's why I be like And let's assume that she was always an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I would hate to no, imply I, that becoming trans, you know, radically changed her personality, but I do think maybe it freed her to reveal the person she always was, which is an asshole. Well right, and I think what you said originally, like her coming out as trans really did sort of like push her into the limelight in a way that she wasn't before. Um, so that's why like no one, re no one really did know who she was. I mean, well, people of my generation. Sure, of my generation. When I was growing up in the 70s, Caitlyn, under the guise of, of who yes. she was representing as, was a massive star. Sure. Our, our guest, you know, is nodding his head. We'll be speaking to him in a few minutes. On the cover of Wheaties, on every television commercial. I mean, one of the that one of village I, people one of the be. top five celebrities of the 1970s. Right. So yes, uh, to your generation, maybe she was just the dad on until, the Kardashians. Right. Until 2009, and I don't know when her last Olympic outing was. I don't know what her career was like prior to like between. She was say, done by the early 80s. Exactly. So like. There was pretty but was still an icon in the way that Billie Jean King sure, is an sure, icon. Sure. Like you know who Billie Jean King is. Yeah. Oh. No, of course. But I mean, I'm just saying, like, just because someone is an, an an icon doesn't mean you really know who they are, what they believe. Clearly, in. we didn't. Yeah. In this case. So anyway, um, it's happened. I think the view. You know, whatever. Like, I'm sure she's good for ratings, but she's bad for America. Yes. Uh, moving on. There's going to be a new Joan Rivers biopic. And Variety has announced who will star in it as Joan Rivers, and it is Katherine Hahn. This is very exciting. Who I love and think is a fabulous actress. Um, she's also going to produce this. It's actually a series for Showtime. Um, they've yet to release. A, uh, they've yet to announce a release date. But um, I, you know, I've never seen Katherine Hahn do a Joan Rivers impression, but I have a feeling she's going to be awesome. Were you surprised? And who would you cast if not her? All I keep thinking is that when Melissa Rivers played her, played her mother in that movie, 
Joy, I think it was called. Mm -hmm. She was so terrible. And I was shocked that any person couldn't do a better impression of their own mother. Um, I don't know who I would have cast. Do you have an you idea? Know, yes, I do. Sarah Paulson. And well, I'm actually, because she can do everything. But also, she kind of looks like her. Like you, I could see her looking more like Joan than Catherine. But Catherine is an amazing actress, so I, I imagine she'll do great. And I think this will, if if the movie is you know a success and her performance is great. Has she won an Oscar? Is she an award-winning so. actress? So I don't think so. Maybe this is like a you know career-making role for I her. I can't wait. Let's go to the LGBTQ Pride Roundup for the week, oh and boy. Brian will do a dance for us. He's doing it. This weekend is Kentuckiana Pride. Kentuckiana? Kentuckiana. Okay. Which I guess is a uh, combination of Kentucky and Indiana. Oh, there you go. But it takes place in Louisville. Uh, this weekend is also Milwaukee Pride, Aloha Maui Pride, and perhaps Orlando Pride. And I say perhaps because the Orlando Pride website is down. It does not bode Amazing. well for the celebrations. Florida. But as always, yes, check your local listings. Our friend Scott is actually in Orlando this weekend. So hey, we, Scott. You should just ask him. Um, next week, October 16th is actually not next week, but in a while. October 16th is Charlotte Pride. Uh, in North Carolina, and they're also celebrating Pride in Spencer, Indiana, population 2,217. Why they have their own Pride celebration? I assume it's because they are part of the Bloomington metro area. Mm -hmm. But Indiana has come up a number um, of times in this podcast. Too, too many times, but you know what? It's your day, Indiana. It is your day. And uh, I hope those of you in Spencer and uh, surrounding community have a wonderful Happy, healthy Pride celebration. Happy Pride, you're here. Love can take us there. Love it. All right, it's time for our guest, and I'm very as, excited. As we all shift. He is one of the biggest gay porn stars in the world, as well as one of the tallest. He's been seen in dozens of studio films and countless live appearances around the world, as well as on his popular OnlyFans and Just For Fans channels. Here's a taste of the pornographic stylings of Dolph Dietrich. And joining us here in studio, please give a warm ass welcome to the legendary Dolph Dietrich. Hello. Hey, Dolph. Adam. Dolph. I am so sorry <laughs> that I told you to be here an hour earlier than you needed to be here. Did you actually leave your house and no i was getting here? ready to leave and then i looked at the email again and i thought well that seems strange to be there an hour early so i made myself breakfast i'm so I, glad you called i'm so sorry about this no worries no. so when you uh, listen to that scene do you recognize it no but it definitely <laughs> is my go-to i would have been um, so impressed if you were like yes it was the <laughs> what was that from you're getting blown i'm trying to remember the name of it you're getting blown by an older Daddy. <laughs> okay, well, you have to narrow this a little bit. Sagan? The name of it is called Dripping. Dripping. <laughs> doesn't help. Doesn't okay. help. Because you don't even know when you do a scene, a uh, studio scene, where it's going to end up necessarily, right? True. And I, f I filmed, I wish I had kept track like some porn guys do, but I think it's got to be well over 300 by this point. <sighs> That's so, a lot. Yeah. This is with Dallas Steele. Bring back oh. any memories? Yes. yes. Dallas is a friend, and we filmed many times together. There you go. Yeah. You are, uh, as I said, one of the biggest names in gay adult entertainment, but you have a totally separate 
legit career as a creative director and graphic yes. designer. So how did you, what came first? How did they develop? Do you still do them both? Tell us how your, your career has Yes, evolved. I still do, do them both. Um, when I, basically, I didn't, uh, I spent all of the 90s, to go back to the 90s for the story, um, I went to college, but then I took 10 years off, just partying and having a good time. By the time I was 30, I decided it was time to go back to college. Uh, how did you make money during that time? I bartended and waited tables. Uh -huh. and I, I was living in Boston. That's where I grew up. I had a great time. I mean, the 90s were really fun. They were. It was a blur, and Boston was a really fun, exciting place at the time. Then uh, I went to college when I was 30, uh, graduated with, you know, 4.0, so did everything right by that point, and decided to uh, move to New York, where I got my first job here was at HX Magazine. Oh, yeah. As art director, and uh, it basically opened my eyes and opened the world to me for New York City. And it was just great that I was able to meet porn stars and, you know, Amanda Lepore and all these luminaries and do photo shoots with them. And it was just a lot of fun. So that sort of opened myself up. I consider, I changed my name to, my real name is Topher. Everybody knows that. Right. I dropped the Chris when I moved to New York. And I just, you know, I, I reinvented myself like New York lets you do. So that was my first reinvention uh, as the corporate Topher and sort of going into art direction and from there, I worked my way up so, to... So, I'm sorry, you changed your name before the, the porn started? Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. I know you chose Dolph because yeah. of Dolph Lundgren. Yes. From Rocky, Correct. whatever it was, yes. Rocky IV, yeah. that hot Russian. Yeah. Dietrich, I always assumed, was it an homage to Marlena Dietrich, but it's not. It's not. No, it's actually my mother's maiden name. Um, one time when she was alive, she came over to my apartment. I was living in Provincetown, and I had a... DVD of photos from a photographer that said Dolph Dietrich on it. And she said, oh, who is that? Who's Dolph Dietrich? You know, that's oh our God. family name. And, uh, oh, mom, it's just a client, uh, like a design client. Yeah, don't, don't worry about it. She it's a great name. And yeah. in a way, you, you almost followed that game where you pick your pet growing up and your mother's maiden name. Right. Like, mm -hmm. what would that have been? What, what's your pet? Uh, Domino. It would have been Domino. Domino Dietrich. Domino it's so Dietrich. close to yeah. Dolph Dietrich. It maybe for a female point. What made you want to change your name at that time? So, basically, it's just... Because Topher Ellsworth is a pretty good name, too. Yeah, it was Christopher Ellsworth, you know, all of my time in Boston. And I just knew I was on the cusp of a new adventure and reinventing myself. Uh, and that's kind of what happened. I physically reinvented myself. I was born with a condition called pectus excavatum. I'm not sure if you knew that. Uh, concave chest. So oh, yeah. I wasn't able to get it fixed. Uh, when I was a kid, my mom just thought, oh, you can live with it. You know, it's not a big deal. But little did you know, I'd be a gay man and wouldn't be able to take my shirt off. I didn't take my shirt off till I was after the surgery, really in public. And I didn't get the surgery until I was about 35. Is it a skeletal uh, alteration or is it, is it in your actual pectorals? Um, it's in my pectorals and it was, I was born basically with a salad bowl in my chest. It was so deep and there was only a few inches between my spine and wow. my chest. And it was, it just, it, yeah, it wasn't cute. So... So when did you get that surgery? Um, I was mm, 35. Wow. 35. And I had tried to get it covered by insurance for about a year. And I had pretty good insurance at the time where I was working. And they kept denying it, saying it was cosmetic. Um, it was about a $70,000 surgery. And my last chance, they said, you got to go up and go to uh, this doctor on the Upper East Side, put the stress test things on all over your body, and then get on the treadmill. 
And my boyfriend at the time said, you really got to fuck this test up. You take this. I t- gave me a Viagra, something that was called liquid <laughs> cocaine, which was oh available God. in the bodegas for like a week in New York. And then yeah. it was gone. Yeah, I remember it. And, and gave me some like an Adderall, whatever. I got on the treadmill and I just, I remember starting to trip out. And the doctor was like, you need this surgery really bad. So, That's so smart of your boyfriend. Yeah. And thank God you didn't die during that oh, yeah. test. Then a month, a couple months later, I'll never forget it. I was in uh, Kmart Naster Place, and my phone rang, and it was Blue Cross Blue Shield. And they said, you've been accepted for this surgery, which I booked in. And then at the, about half a year later, I went in and got it. Was it incredibly painful? Yep. Yeah. Was it just one surgery? Yeah. Well, no, actually it was two. They gave me an epidural first, and then you know, I went to sleep and woke up, and that's when real pain was there. And they had to put a bar, like a titanium bar, in my chest to hold the bones together while it healed. And then that had to come out about half a year later. Wow. Yeah. So you have this physical transformation. Yeah. And you rename yourself. Exactly. And when do you, when do you film your first <laughs> sex scene? It wasn't for a long time after that. But, um, yeah, I, I was also just started to go to the gym. Because after I got that surgery, the doctor said to me, I weighed about 50 pounds less than I do now. So I weighed about 160, and I'm 6'5". Yeah, so now I weigh 220. Yeah, I was very, very thin. I was just a beanpole. So, and after the surgery, the doctor said to me, I remember, he said, well, you did that, but you're never going to gain muscle. You're never going to look normal. It was kind of, I don't know why you did that. And I just was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look the way I want. So I just hit the gym 10 years now with a bench. Well, 15 years. You certainly proved him wrong. Yeah. You have an unbelievable body. Well, I worked really hard. Then I got the tattoos and, you know, started um, just expressing myself. I remember I got my first harness in New York City. I was so nervous. I went to the Leatherman, and he was like, oh, you have to be naked to try on this harness. I'm like, well, that seems odd. <laughs> Patrick, you've had this experience. <laughs> <laughs> I was just recently at that Letterman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a good time there. He did have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I was I was raised Catholic. I was raised in Boston. I just was raised by a very. Um, my mother was out there in wild. She used to be a go-go dancer in a oh, cage wow. on Haight Ashbury in San Francisco in the '60s. I love that. Oh, my God, but my dad was very conservative, and um, I'm a mixture of both. So I feel. Like, when I first moved to New York and I was going to these, like, sex parties on the frying pan and all these different things. I remember the frying pan. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, yeah. And then I got my first harness and I had to try it on. And I got a boner and I was all nervous. And I ran out with the harness. And it was just, I, I don't know. It was like my first time going to the Eagle and all these different things and sex parties. And I just slowly um, grew into that. And I wasn't that good at it. I was very nervous and shy. But, you know, fast forward until I was 41, that's when I filmed my first scene. And, yeah. Did someone say to you, like, hey, I'm doing this video and I want you to be in it? How, does, how do you get into that situation? I remember I had been communicating with the owner of this studio called Dickwad, which was just very, very, <laughs> very filthy pornography. You dickwad. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, you know, I could be in something like that. I could do that. And we spoke for about a year or two. And I was doing webcamming at the time, so I said, I don't think I'm ready. I don't think I'm ready. But I had created the name Dolph Dietrich, created all the marketing and branding. I was living in Provincetown. And um, basically, he said, when you're ready, just let me know. So about two years later, I was. And I went out to San Diego and filmed my first scene, Hard Hat Pigs 2. Hard Hat Pigs 2. What a classic. One was great, too. (laughs) What was that like for you? It was exciting. I mean, it was very exciting. Uh, 
I fell in love with like my co-star I was filming with this guy named Blue Bailey. If you're out there, oh yes, Blue's a great guy. The blonde, yeah. I used to jerk off to him a lot. He was a terrific bottom, so sexy, yeah. And they called it showmance. So when you have like this uh, romance and and you're like on the porn set and it turns into something more, they call it showmance, and that happened to me right away, of course. And I'm like, oh, I'm in love with this guy. And and did you guys date? We dated for a bit, a bit. And then I met Drew Sebastian, who actually we dated for a longer time. So I kind of I dumped Blue for Drew, and he wasn't very happy. But uh, Drew and I, he was like my first real uh, experience dating a porn star because he'd already been in the business for a while. And uh, he took me to a new level. So that was really great. And you did studio porn for years. Yeah. And do you still, or are you solely uh, self-produced now? No, I still do studio porn. I prefer it. I just... The work of doing the OnlyFans is um, a lot more uh, in-depth. I like to just show up, look cute, look pretty, look sexy, <laughs> do, do, do my job, and like leave. Yeah. But you make more money, I would think, from the OnlyFans than you do from studio, or no? Maybe at your level it's different. It depends on how much work you want to put into it, really. I, just, I would rather do a lot of graphic design, half of my life doing design work, and then just show up for studio shoots and not really just be producing a lot of things and editing it and hustling to, you know, right. find actors and sign releases and all of that. Well, so. I, I would think you probably do well with from your public appearances. <clears throat> That's actually one of my favorite things. So there, there's three tiers to being a porn personality, I think. it's One of them is, uh, uh, the, of course, filming. And the second one is live appearances. And then the third one could be escorting. Right. So, out of all of those, my favorite is really doing the live performances. So I've done them all around the world, exciting and fun, and I just love being on stage and showing off. And we should say you're going to be headlining at Pig Week. <laughs> yes. Which, Patrick, Ooh. I think you and I need to consider uh, going to Pig Week. It yeah. is where? It's in Wilton Manors, right? Fort Lauderdale. Yes. November okay. 26th through December 4th. So. All right. Now, how does one prepare to headline <laughs> in Pig Week? Well, this is my second time doing it. Um, Excuse me. I'm trying to remember the first time I did it. I think it was one of the first years they were around. So it's it's some go-go dancing. There's like a, a, a porn star lottery. So you can I remember I had to auction myself off at the pool at this and the host winner, hotel. And the winner gets to have sex with you? Yeah. And I That's had, scary. I had the role of uh, tickets on my dick. So I went around and was just <laughs> shaking what if- it. If the person who wins you is someone you're not attracted to at all, how do you uh-huh. go That's my it? life. That's my life. I mean, really? come on, yeah. I mean, you can just get it up no matter what. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, there are, are magic, magic treats there for that. Are. Yeah. There are tools. Yeah, there are tools for that. Well, you mentioned dating. You mentioned Blue and Drew. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Jack? Sure. You a little bit. You and I were together. Uh, not together, but we were on the same vacation in Cancun in May. Yeah. And you suddenly had to leave in the middle of the week. Right. And what followed was this very public, messy breakup between you and Jack McEnroff, who's a friend of mine and a friend of the show. He's been on this show. And it was crazy for a while there. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. What the fuck happened? <laughs> well, um, I don't really want to go into too much detail about it, but he's... Oh, oh sorry about that. Um, well, he... he uh, I, he's been very open about his struggle with substance abuse. Yes. And I didn't... It's kind of like being a frog in a cold water that just starts to boil because I didn't know. I didn't really know what was happening when we were together. And he 
I, I didn't know about this, about this category of drugs called benzodiazepines, diazepam. Mm -hmm. uh, they're basically Xanax that he was very addicted to. Downers. Um, they shut your mind down. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd been, you know, long before I met him for 10 years struggling with that and not really knowing what was happening to him. It just takes over your body, takes over your mind. And it sort of hit a culmination at that point when I was with you on vacation. And, um, yeah, he had a break with reality, but he's doing great now. And, yeah, that's all I can say about that. And are you guys back together now? <laughs> um, there are certain things I can't really talk about <laughs> due to uh, some legal things. Right. So, But is it safe to say you're on good terms? Um. It's safe to say that we'd be on no terms at all, which I have to say because of the uh, order of protection. I see. No. I have to say when it was going on, and, and you know, if you don't want to get into the specifics, we don't have to, but he made a lot of very, very ugly, untrue allegations against you. Yeah. And I have to say you handled it, I thought, with uncommon grace. Thank you. And are still handling it with uncommon grace and not... Uh, you never attacked him. You yeah. never went after him publicly. And you actually told your followers not to yeah. uh, troll him. Yeah. What was that such experience like for you, though, oh. during that those kind of, I'll call them the messy weeks? Um, it was really scary. It was very scary. I had to call 911 many times. Um, I was concerned for my safety. And... I got shingles. I was like, Oh, you thought, weren't vaccinated. No, no, no. Well, no. Um, I mean, I thought it was stress hives, and the doctor said it was stress shingles, which was great. And, you know, my alopecia came back, my hair started falling. It was very, 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 very stressful. I just don't even what know. What got you through it? Um, I had a few close friends, just a few that I was able to talk to about it. Um, my dog. Mm. <laughs> And, you know, basically that's all I could really do is just hang on by my fingertips, and, and I got through it. Um, and then Jack, um, you know... He, he recanted. He recanted everything. Um, he ended up having a seizure and went to the hospital and then directly from the hospital into rehab. And, um, yeah, and he's doing a lot better now. So Thank God. Yeah, he's doing great, and I think he's... Um, I'm not sure how many days sober, but he's, he's really doing good. I think it was a life-changing experience for him. Definitely was. And, yeah. We talk about sex work a lot on this show, and all of us believe that sex work is work and that it's a legitimate profession and sex workers should be protected and have rights. Mm -hmm. But it is a profession in which there seems to be a lot of trauma. Yeah. There are a lot of suicides. There's a lot of addiction. I'm thinking specifically of people we lost way too early, like mm -hmm. Eric Rhodes and Arpad Miklos and Josh Weston. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is about the industry that either attracts people who are already in crisis or perhaps creates crisis for people who would otherwise be healthy? Do you think there's something toxic about the work itself? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting question. I, don't, I can only speak for myself. Uh, I, I didn't think that sex work was where I would end up um, and it definitely has a lot of traps to it that you could fall down and, you know, get hurt. Um, fortunately for me, I, I've always, I've escaped. I just want to be clear about the drug addiction. It wasn't a shared um, right. experience. 
I don't do drugs. I'm very anti-drug. And, you know, back in the 90s, like I said, I did a lot of coke, but that was about it. Right. And I've never touched meth. I've never Thank touched God. any drugs like that because I've seen it destroy too many people. And I don't want people to assume that because of the line of business I'm in or the kind of porn that I produce that I would ever be involved in that. So people like me can definitely be drug-free and, and contributing members of the society without being a mess or whatever you want that. So I don't like that. Um, I don't like that stereotype that a, a porn star would be necessarily lost or hopeless. But clearly there are many who make it work and, ha- and are sure. happy, successful um, people with balanced lives. It just seems like, and, and maybe it's just that because they're porn stars and they're famous, quote unquote, we yeah. hear about them more than we hear about bankers or lawyers or other professions where people are having these same struggles. Yeah. But you don't think there's anything about porn or sex work specifically that, that you know, draws people to, to darkness, into darkness? I don't. I, and all I can really say about that, again, from my own view, is that it has been, you know, one of my couple careers that I've had in my life, and it's brought me the most friendships that I've ever had, um, the greatest times, the greatest experiences, I really don't have anything bad to say about it. I mean, I wish the money were better. It's not It's not a huge moneymaker like people think it might be. But other than that, I, I really have not seen a dark side to it for myself. Good. Except for, you know, I don't really consider what Jack and I went through to be associated with porn. We never had problems working together. We worked together. We had uh, sex work clients together. It was never an issue with any of that. Never any jealousy. Um, it was unfortunately just... A, substance well like i said i'm glad that he's getting help and uh and i'm glad that you're okay yeah thank you i'm doing great in the time remaining we're gonna play everyone's favorite game ask me no question ask me no question question. describe the perfect bottom (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness um the perfect bottom well Jack McEnroth is the perfect bottom. Hey, now. (laughs) He does have a big, beautiful ass. He does. He does. He does. Describe the perfect top. Um, The perfect top. I definitely need somebody that knows. It has a big dick, but just knows how to use it. I mean, I've had so many tops that are fucked me, and I'm not really into it because they, even if it's a big dick, it does not feel right. So they have to use it correctly. Is it the angle? Is it the pressure? How does someone do it wrong? Well, it's like that. If you have like a longer thin dick and it's a spear thing, it's just like a jackhammer. No, that's not that's not feel right. So, for me, there's something about the hardness. If someone's got a really big dick, it can't be rock hard. Yeah, because it hurts. Yeah, I agree. It has to be a little bit pliable. Yeah, right. I don't know how someone controls that though. <laughs> it just is or it isn't. Um, uh, where's um, what does this say? Oh, what's an incredibly hot experience in your life that you remember and perhaps jerk off to? Oh, oh, that's definitely my live shows. There's been a couple of them that I remember vividly. Um, I went to Tel Aviv for a show mm. with Hans Berlin. Me and him, we kind of lay over in Russia. It was crazy. And we were only there for 48 hours, and I did an amazing live sex show on stage in Tel Aviv and had sex with hot Tel Aviv guys, and, and then came back the next day, and it was a lot of fun, so I took off to that. My first live show with Drew Sebastian, um, some live shows that I did with my ex-husband, Hugh Hunter, the other porn daddy that I was married to, and... Do you like being watched? I love being watched. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. That's a thrill It for empowers you. me, yeah. Um, what, uh, okay, we've already asked you what your porn name would have been, Domino Dietrich. Yeah. 
Uh, what's the sexiest part of a man's body to you? Oh, okay. So um, I'm into faces, but specifically ears. I love ears. Mm, I've got gigantic ears. I love, Is that I good love or them. bad? No, that's adorable. I think ears are really cute. I always check out a guy's ears, his feet, his hands. <laughs> Very specific, his voice. Like I love him, Lewis' voice. Uh, yeah. So. It's interesting that you're not describing any sex parts. It's not no. about dick or balls or no. biceps or. I don't really care about big dicks. I, I honestly don't. So. I, I would think you would only because you're six foot five. You're a big man, and I would think like and and you're very versatile. So if some like little dick guy tried to top you, that doesn't. Mm, you're not I'm, bothered by it. Um, I'm more if I'm in a relationship. I'm more the top. If I'm just having random sex, I could be versatile. So the person that I end up being with, yeah, I don't want to ask to be great. I I love if they have a great cock too. But since I'm the top, it's more about yeah. I'm more. You're I'm, more of a top in your personal life. Yeah. Because you're so versatile on screen. Yeah. What's the biggest dick or object? How big was it that you ever took up your ass? Oh, a fist once. I did a fist for about 30 seconds. That was Jack. And it, then I just said, get it out, get it out. I cannot be a bottom for a fist ever again. I'm with you. Uh, yeah. I love fisting top as a top, though. You do? Um, yeah. Let me see your hands. Oh, yeah. They're as big as the rest of you. Here, put your hand up against mine. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, they're big. <laughs> yeah. I've got very small childlike very hands. Petite hands. Um, okay, you don't have to tell us whether you accepted it or not, but what's the most money you were ever offered for a night of sex? Mm. Well, I would say uh, when I got flown to Vegas, it was more that I was offered a lot of money to gamble because the person that I was with said, you know, here, take $10,000 and come sit next to me at the table and and played 21. I didn't know anything about like card games, so I did, and I won a lot of money. Was that part of his thrill? Was he wanted to combine gambling? With... He was a straight married guy, and this was his like getaway every year. He would have somebody new to go to Vegas with him. And, a man? And, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. He was married to a woman. And then he would hire a man yeah. like me, and then just, you know, he'd want to gamble all weekend. didn't want to gamble alone. He was also a dirty fucker, too. So well, would, you ha would you have any kind of sex with him or his wife? Oh, no, no, no. He, he would leave his wife at home. Would you do anything with him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so, I don't understand. So you would gamble together, and then you'd go back to the room and fuck? Or usually the other way around. We'd fuck during the day. Whatever he wanted, he had all this equipment that he had sent. All this electrical, e-stim equipment, they call it, electrical stimulation. And he would oh, put, like, goodness. this buzzer up my ass, and, like, when I'd be at the buffet, you know, oh, buzz it. Oh, oh like one of those remote-controlled butt toys. Yeah. How much time we got left, J.B.? Oh, boy. Uh, okay. Uh, last question. Would you ever consider doing a scene with a 50-year-old podcast host <laughs> and his boyfriend? <laughs> I love 50-year-olds. I'm 50, so it's perfect. There you go. We're 100 together. Love it. Dolph Dietrich, you are a delight. Thank Tell you. the listeners all the ways that they can follow you on the interwebs. Yes. Okay. So um, on Twitter, I am at Dolph Dietrich. On Instagram, it's at Dolph Dietrich XXX. Um, I would also say my OnlyFans, which is OnlyFans.com forward slash Dolph Dietrich. And then my Just for Fans, which is just four dot fans forward slash Dolph Dietrich. And people can see you and probably more than see you in Pig Week. Yes, absolutely. They can see you. They can taste you. Yeah. Hmm, maybe. Mm. Thank you so much for being here. Thank Love you. you. Thank you. Uh, JB and Ryan, how can people follow you? You can follow me at Ryan Frosting on Twitter and Instagram. 
uh, at Stuck at Anarchy 12, only on Instagram. Patrick, how can people follow you and hear your music? Peace Spence Music on Instagram Thank or Spotify. Thank you all so much. Tune in next week to hear a brand new ass. Our guest will be another legendary porn star, D'Angelo Jackson. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamstank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Insta at adamstank and on TikTok at adamstankofficial. Email me at adam at adamstank.com. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye. Bye.